You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about This and That. This and That Nation, those listening to our eclectic podcast, welcome. You are listening to the voices of Brenda, better known as Miss Brenbren. And this is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. And we are your co-hosts of the increasingly popular podcast, This and That with David and Brenda. Where we talk about everything that's anything. And we're going to do just that on today, April 22nd, 2020. In our 47th edition of our, again, increasingly popular podcast. Season 2, of course. And throw in the season 2. Right, it's season 2. And again, we are coming to you from Podcast Land Studio. Now, like we always do, we like to give shout-outs to our listener base, which is here in the United States, as well as internationally. So, let's start out with our shout-outs to our loyal listeners of This and That, including those in Jessup, Georgia, Wesley Chapel, Florida, Newark, Delaware, Inglewood, Colorado. Yes, when we go internationally, we're going to send shout-outs to all of our listeners, including those in Dublin, Ireland, Liverpool, England, Edmonton, Canada, and Mexico City, Mexico. And of course, we have to give our shout outs to those men, women, and canines in the U.S. military based here in the United States as well as internationally. We want to thank you, your dependents, and those co located with you. So, thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. Also, shout out to all the first responders, police, fire, 911, for all that you do. And also, in this age of the coronavirus, COVID-19, we want to give a very special shout out to all the frontline healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, ER techs, orderlies, on and on, everybody, the folks in the cafeteria, Thank you for literally putting your lives on the line to um, help help and save all of us. Also, we want to give a shout out to all the essential, quote unquote, essential workers that are keeping things humming while folks are in various states of lockdown around the world. So that includes folks like teachers, grocery store employees, Truck drivers, warehouse workers, street sweepers, and the list goes on and on. Thank you for everything you're doing, and as well as putting yourselves in harm's way. Yes, those are our unsung heroes, so we want to send them a shout-out of thanks as well. Now, like David mentioned, here in the U.S., all around the world, many of us are finding ourselves in some form of shut down, uh, stay at home, 
lockdown, whatever the order you, whatever terminology you want to use. So we hope that you'll take some time and listen to our free podcast. And where can folks find that, David? They can find our podcasts uh, wherever they listen to podcasts. It's available on all the most popular podcast apps and streaming services, including SoundCloud, our home base, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play Music, and the list continues. The podcast is also available on all Alexa-powered voice-assisted devices. You know one of the um, nice things about our podcast? What's that? It's available on demand. So those listening can pick and choose when and where they want to listen because it's available on demand on all those different services that you mentioned. Now if folks have a a question, want to send us a comment, where can they reach us? They can send us an email message and that would go to the show's email address, which is this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N as in Nancy, that, all nine characters together, at sign aboutgreatercincinnati.com. We also have an email distribution list we call our eblast that you can uh, sign up for. And that eblast will let you know what we're up to, uh, what to let you know when new episodes are available, uh, topics that are in there, plus some other uh, interesting tidbits that Brenda and I think that you should know and or will find useful. Speaking of you should know, what is this I hear about the U.S. Postal Service running out of money? and may have to shut down sometime around this fall. Yes, uh, here, in the, here in the United States, the U.S. Postal Service, which actually um, is a government entity that predates the U.S. Constitution, but doesn't, is not taxpayer-funded. It takes, gains all its money from the proceeds of postage, uh, shipping, etc. And with everything shut down, you can imagine, uh, even with people getting tons of things through um, Amazon, uh, their money is not what, just like everybody else in business, their money is not anywhere near what it should be. So are you trying to say that the U.S. Postal Service is a victim of COVID-19? Yes, they are another victim of COVID-19. They have asked for uh, emergency COVID-19 related bailout funding of um, $75 billion. Oh, that's just chump change. Yeah, in Washington context, yes, that is chump change. But um, that funding has not gotten to them with um, all the different bills that have gone through. Three so far, they're working on a fourth right now. What do you mean they haven't gotten any funding? Uh, they haven't gotten the funding because um, President Trump has said he's not going to sign any of these relief bills or the PPP or whatever if it had the post office funding in it. Doesn't he realize that there are a lot of people who are getting their medical prescriptions in the mail? People got bills 
that they have to pay that they're getting via the U.S. Postal Service. And folks are sending their loved ones, think of, thinking of you, um, letters, cards, um, gifts. All that type of activity is going on via the U.S. Postal Service. And that may all come to an end. Don't think he cares. No, and also, I don't think he realizes the thing about pharmaceuticals. Uh, that people are getting prescription drugs through the mail. And I don't know if any of his aides know, and I don't know if the people in Congress have a clue to say to him, gee, if you do this, people will, like, potentially literally die because they're not going to be able to get their medications. Because there are a lot of insurance companies, the way they keep the cost down is you get, you know, 90 days or, or more, and it's done through the mail. How else is it going to get there? They're not going to use FedEx because that's too expensive. It's done through the mail. But this all has to do with Amazon uses, my opinion, and other people think this way too, that President Trump, I think most people know, has this beef with Jeff Bezos. And it's a one-way one thing. And who is Jeff Bezos for those who may not be aware? Jeff Bezos is, um, he was one of uh, Bill Gates' gurus at Microsoft. He left early on, like in the mid-90s, and formed Amazon um, Amazon.com, and now he is the richest individual on the planet. He is so rich that his divorce, he still has over a hundred billion dollars after his divorce. That would say you're rich. <laughs> I mean, that's where you're rich. It's like, oh, okay. He, he, he has a little bit of chump change. <laughs> yes. And his wife did not go cheaply because she was instrumental in, in stuff. But he was like, no yeah, problem. Did, I got did, did she walk away with a few billions? Uh, yeah, she, yeah, she walked away. Like 50 50 plus? something billion, yeah. yeah. Again, chump change. <laughs> didn't even, he didn't even sweat it. He was like, okay. All right, but getting <laughs> back to the U.S. But, but yes, Trump has US a postal with, service with, with Bezos because of that, and he sees the post office, the postal system, as somehow being scammed, hoodwinked by Amazon.com to keep their costs down, delivering all this stuff. And a lot of a lot of people, myself included, believe that that's really what's behind this whole. He's not funding the post office. It's not some sort of principal ideological stance. Now, at the end of the day, I think as the apocalyptic hour for the post office approaches, they probably will get funding one way or the other just because the pressure will be on. And But it shouldn't come to that. Well, if our listeners here in the U.S. want to make sure that it doesn't come down to that, contact your person, U.S., congressperson in the House of Representatives or the Senate, let them know that the funding needs to come through for the U.S. Postal Service and why. Yes, and you can, you can Google all that information. Just Google your, your member of Congress and that data will come up as well as like the, the main switchboard, etc. And all these, con at least all these congressional folks have local constituency services offices, as they're called, back in the district. So you can always go there as well. You don't necessarily have to call DC. You can do that too, but they're gonna have something local. So call, send letters, send email, however, whatever works for you. 
Just Twitter. Make, yep, tweet too. Just <laughs> make to sure that you um, let folks know how you feel about this particular topic. Yep. Now, speaking of topics, and I can only guess, we're going to talk about COVID-19 yet again because we just can't seem to get away from that. And yes, we will be talking COVID-19. That is the main topic. There are some other things out there, but this is the major topic. So we're going to go, and folks who've been listening to us recently know that we're going to go through like some of the main metric numbers that are there. And then we're going to talk about uh, some of the burning issues that are COVID-related that are hot and heavy this week. The biggest being the president, the coronavirus task force, put out these guidelines for reopening the, the country, uh, coming out of lockdown and, you know, going back to, quote-unquote, business as usual, normal, etc., and the question really that Brenda and I have is, is it too soon to reopen the economy? And we'll, we'll be getting into that a little bit in um, our first topic. Um, also, kind of a subset of that, we will be talking about uh, one state in particular to see have they perhaps gone too far with their plans for opening. And that's a little tease. We're not going to get into what state we're talking about uh, just yet. We'll also be doing another edition of our Fact or Fiction. Again, during this uh, coronavirus pandemic, we will be debunking various myths that are out there, and there are a ton. So we've been doing that. One an episode, just because you got to unpack it, and we, we can't tackle more than, unless we did like yes, no, which doesn't do it justice. So we'll be... Um, hitting a, a fact or fiction, and this week it is, can the president, meaning the president of the United States, President Trump, can the president order U.S. mayors and governors to reopen the economy, whether those mayors and governors want to or not? So we will be discussing that, because that's come up uh, recently. And that is the show. Well, as always... We have a lot of information to share with those who are listening to our eclectic podcast. So, should we let the discussion begin? I do believe so. We should. All right, then. COVID-19, here we come again. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. COVID-19 update for episode 47, and it is April 22nd, 2020. We will dispense of the top 10 list of countries. We're just going to focus on, once again, the U.S., which is number one, having the most confirmed cases, confirmed cases meaning somebody was tested and they came out positive, and uh, unfortunately also has the uh, most deaths as well recorded. And the case count as of this afternoon, and I'm sure it's higher by now, it was 834,858. And New York City was the number one city. So are you saying the U.S. is coming up on a million no, that didn't sound right confirmed cases? 
No, but I'm talking about the U.S. Yes, it's coming up on a million. It's coming we, up we, on a million. Yes, because we're still doubling every, you know, um, slow down a little bit. We were doubling about every five to six days. Now it looks like we're doubling every 60, six to seven days. So it's that exponential counting that's causing this number to go up higher and higher. Yes, it's exponential because one... One infected individual with COVID-19 infects um, on average between two to three, and there have been studies that show that, that it can be, you know, even double that. So and that then, gives you exponential growth. So New York State has more than a quarter of a million confirmed cases. Yes. Didn't we say in one of our earlier podcasts it's going to get worse before it gets better? Yes. By definition, and we'll talk so, about that some so more. So this is true to form. Of, of course, yes. And um, folks will say, oh, things have plateaued and the deaths are uh, a lagging indicator and the like, but um, we'll have to see. And the, and the number of deaths in the U.S., I believe, is around, it's in the mid-40,000s. Um, folks have upped their models again to where they believe as of today that there'll be around 66,000 U.S. deaths in total. I think, uh, I, I wish it were going to stay there, but I, I don't think so. No, don't and be surprised if it goes higher. Unfortunately, because of, because of, um, things that are about to, to happen here in the States. Uh, 185 out of 197 countries still, so 94% COVID-19, and that's 2,611,182 confirmed cases globally. Again, that's a lot. Yep, and it is still going up. There are a few countries that have actually, you know, bent the curve and have COVID under control. Um, did you count them all? You can, count, you can count them on one hand, and they still have. It's still not like they have no new cases. They still have cases. Well, hats off to those countries that have gotten this under control, and hopefully, other countries like the U.S. and others can learn from what these folks are doing. That that is the hope. That is the hope. I'm not that optimistic across the board in the United States that that will happen. Yo, what's up, y'all? This is Doug E. Fresh coming at you with a message. You got it here. Everybody, keep your face mask on. Don't take it off because Corona's strong. And wash your hands for 20 seconds long. Six feet keep, six feet keep, six feet social distance is on. Let's continue the conversation about here in the U.S. What's going on in our great state of Ohio? Well, we've been, as, as listeners to the podcast have known, the last few weeks, we've been trending at number 17. Uh-oh. And that's, you said we've been. Yes. We've now risen to 14. 
I actually look at that as a good thing because we're actually now ramping up testing. Before we were really only testing um, medical staff workers, not even people necessarily in nursing homes, and then the very, very sickest in Ohio. And that's because testing is such a, a mess here in the States. But because of a lot of different actions, testing has improved a lot, and that's by design. And they, they are ramping it up even more. So they're finding more confirmed cases. Um, and this is about double, and some of this is because of what's happened here in, in, in Ohio, in um, the prison up in, in Marion, um, a lot of inmates that tested positive, although they were asymptomatic, um, nursing homes, and so on. So that's, that's a lot of where these numbers are coming from now. And so speaking of numbers, how many confirmed cases do we have here in Ohio? Uh, again, as of this afternoon, on April 22nd, 2020, 13,725. And more than likely, it's only going to get higher since the president is pushing governors to um, open up the economy, which means opening up their states. Yes, and it's, it's unsustainable anyway. Uh, you have to, you have, we have to open up the economy but it's how does one do that that makes a difference. So is it too soon to reopen the economy? Is it too soon to open the economy on May 1st? If we look at the president's own guidelines, the answer to that is yes for all but four states, which is you know West Virginia, Wyoming, um, Hawaii, and I've forgotten what the fourth state is, uh, but that's by their guidelines. If you go by the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, basically most, and, and there are tons of southern states that are opening up. Um, I mean, big, they're not even waiting for May 1st. But if you look at the, um, the, again, the IHME, Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, which is funded, Bill Gates funded thing. They're, they're at the University of Washington, and they're one of the main modelers in looking at this stuff. They basically say May 1st is too soon for everybody, and the southern states, like South Carolina, they shouldn't even open until June 5th, and Georgia and 11 other states shouldn't open until June 19th. So that's where, that's where they're at on this, because they're like, you know, nobody's really peaked yet per se. You could kind of make an argument that New York has, but um, New York's not ready yet because their numbers have not gone down to where you could see in a, in a two-week period what's actually happening and so on. So that's, that's where they're at. Short answer is, you know, yes. And reopening, reopening shouldn't really be based on a date, that's what all the experts say, it should really be based on your data. And there are all sorts of different plans that are out there, and real plans, because the President's plan, the Coronavirus Task Force thing, they're guidelines, they say they're guidelines, it's not a plan. It's, it's essentially, um, they have these different phases, and phase one in the President's plan, if you act, when you read it, phase one is really, you know, shelter in place light. It's not even really opening up. So, 
But, and that's what's really crazy about what some states are, are trying to do, because even by the president's guidelines, which they seem to be in um, violent disagreement with, um, they're not ready. Okay, well, even do shelter in place light. While we can't really get into what other states are doing, what are we doing here in Ohio? Let's have um, our um, director of public health, Dr. Amy Acton, explain that. The other day at a press conference, she explained how Ohio is going to reopen, and the reopening, quote unquote, starts on on starts May first, but kind of, sort of, does and doesn't, but. Let's let's play Dr. Acton, and then we'll come back. But slowly, we've been building a workforce so that we can uh, not just sit back and watch this virus unfold, but really get a lot more aggressive and take it to the virus. We don't want to just flatten this curve. We want to stay ahead of the curve, and we are all enduring what was a blunt instrument, a blunt surgical tool of. Uh, the social distancing we're doing. But um, in the future, you know, we really see a path where we have a much broader range of tools to fight this war. Now, Dr. Kim said in, in an article that published recently that you need five things to work your way forward. We all know that we're going to need to live with this virus and we're going to live with it for a while to come, at least 18 months. So what the governor's team and with the hope of um, our past governors and others is we are building an extensive response and recovery plan and network. You have to be able to do the social distancing that we're doing. The things that we're doing and the additional new things we've added continue to be a very powerful weapon in stopping the spread of the virus. But you also have to do testing and, and we are pushing the envelope every possible way because you have to test someone to know they have it. And then you have to do contact tracing, which means, again, those disease detectives who, who talk to you when you're a case and find out everyone you've been in relationship with anywhere you've gone in the past 14 days. And then those contact tracers reach out to those people and tell them to quarantine for 14 days. And when we have enough testing, test those folks. And in doing that, you can start to snuff out what could be the spread of the virus. And additionally, you need to isolate and quarantine people. And the fifth part is you need excellent treatment. And our treatment is evolving, ultimately a vaccine, but it could be an antiviral. It's new things like um, the plasma that we're doing when we're doing um, serum where people with antibodies can be transfused into people who are sick. And so all new tools will come. So it's social distancing, contact tracing, testing, isolation and quarantine, and treatment. And what Jim Young Kim said was, hope is of little use unless it's accompanied by a bold and vigorous plan. And the governor and what he'll be laying out for you before we get to May 1st, but in the days to come, is more and more parts of that bold and vigorous plan for Ohio. So there are going to be two parts to our efforts. One is this army of workforce, because there are, you know the people we had who usually do contact tracing, 
were, you know, public health department-led epidemiologists. But because this is a global pandemic, the scope is so big, you need an army. You need 10 to 15 people per 100,000 population. And that is the army we've been building and are continuing to build. Um, and so be, being able to see that outbreak, whether it's a prison, a nursing home, a community, a couple of cases um, that were associated anywhere, and be able to do that work is a way, that's the firefighting side of our house. When we see an outbreak expanding, that we can snuff out the fire. And we're building a command and control structure that sees all the fires in the state and moves on them. And if they don't have enough PPE or they don't have enough testing, we are moving resources so that we can quickly put out the fires of the spread of infectious disease. Ultimately, we knew that one person could give this disease to three people. But what we want is to ultimately have one person giving to one person, ultimately one person giving to a half a person, and less than a half. And in watching that virus spread and decreasing it, which is what social distancing did, we snuff out the fire of spread and we stop the virus from ever becoming something that takes out our hospitals. On the other side of our plan is what I'm now calling the dimmer switch. And this is everything that all of us wish for. This is where we all wish to get back out and get back to the things we're doing, whether it be work or other activities. So you gotta put out your fires. And what we did getting into this was flip the light switch. But to get out of this, we have to slowly move a dimmer switch, watch a bunch of data and reaction to make sure not too many fires start happening because every time we open up, it is guaranteed that we will increase the spread of this infection. But the question is, can we control it? And that's, that's the dance that we will be walking. So you do a few moves. It might be in the area of business. It might be in the area of schools. It might be the area of parks. It might be in the area of what you do at a hospital. All the policies and things we've done, we have to weigh risk and benefit. And what you want to do as you start back out into society is do the lowest risk things first and watch how we deal with the spread of infection. And then you dial the switch a little more and do a few more things. So in every area of our state, whether it's how we run our businesses, how we, how we run a school, we are sitting around thinking, how do we live in this new world? How do I do a few more things but do them safely? So you have to have best practices of what safety looks like. We've seen this in essential businesses where we now have plexiglass and we now walk down aisles in the grocery store differently. And those are the kinds of new innovations that our businesses and our schools are hard at working at. How do we live with this virus in a way that we stop the spread? And at the same time, how do we do a little more all the time without creating too big a risk that really shuts us down and has us have to go all the way back down into a lockdown situation. So we've got our dimmer switch planning and we've got our firefighter putting out fires plan. And that is the dance and the plan that the governor's team is working on. Do I wish we could just hand you a plan every day? There was no playbook for this. The whole world is figuring out this equation of the dimmer switch and the firefight put out. And I want you to know that Ohio is on the front edge of that.
the Ohio plan, as you could hear there, and that was an outline of it. The plan is slowly, 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 as Dr. Acton said, will be unveiled and the like, and has all these different components to it. If you're not hearing something like this in your state, um, you know, be afraid, be very afraid. Because as Dr. Acton laid out, you really need five things to even be able to, to open up. And I'll just summarize the five things she said there. And that is, number one, social distancing. That does not go away. And because um, we're a podcast, when she mentioned the other things she's talking about, adding, you go when you're out in public, wear a mask, things like that. That's what she was talking about. So it's not just the social distancing six feet. It's wear a mask and so on. And then the businesses themselves or whatever organization, they need to redesign things. Like in Ohio, for essential businesses, like grocery stores, all the grocery stores here, stores period, they have, they're one-way aisles. They're no more two-way aisles. So you're going down the produce aisle, you're, you, know, you might be going away from the checkout, um, the cashiers. And you start going down the health food aisle, that might be going back towards the cashier. It's one-way aisles. So you don't have people crowding together. Things like that. It's a bunch of stuff that... Hopefully your businesses are going to implement and not just think about. So they're like one-way streets. Yeah, like one-way streets, exactly. So you're they driving don't have people your next to car down a one-way street. Exactly, and keeping six feet, you know, keeping your car lengths distance. It's like everybody driving never does the, the, the distance they're supposed to be doing, so they have braking distance. But that's what, you know, in the grocery stores and everywhere else, that's really what you got to do. Uh, so there's this whole social distancing thing. And then there's, of course, testing, testing, testing. Got to have tons of testing. And it's not just testing, you know, symptomatic, oh, well, you're sick. Yes, you have it. So now we know how to treat you or not treat you. It's what is happening, how spread out is this disease, who has it, and so on. And if you find somebody who is infected, then you got to do contact tracing, the whole detective work. And unlike what some people are talking about with just a couple of days, I heard this on uh, the other day, I can't remember what state they're talking about, oh yeah, we contact trace, we're, we're going we're gonna to trace back what they were doing for two days before they started exhibiting symptoms. And I'm like, like no, you got you to gotta go back to two weeks. So I hope they just misstated that and they really meant to say two weeks, not two days. You got to go back two weeks. And then those folks have to you know, quarantine and, and also hopefully you have enough tests. As Dr. Acton said, you test them. And if they turn out, any of them turn out positive, then you got to track them back. So you need a whole army. And the army she was alluding to is they're looking at um, med students basically saying your first year in Ohio, they haven't made this official, but this is one of the things they're thinking. It's kind of like you folks who are med, you know, med students, whatever, your first year, forget about that. You're going to be doing this contact tracing. So they're looking at, you know, um, tens of thousands of, of folks. I don't know the exact number um, that they're getting from there. But they, you need tons of people to do this. Um, they're also looking into technology, but they know that there are a whole bunch of privacy concerns and other stuff that comes, comes along with that, uh, with, with the technology, um, using apps and everything else that we'll talk about in episode 50, the tech edition. Because I, I still think, it's unrealistic that you're going to have enough people to do this. You're really going to have to have technology to help you along. So how can you do that? How can you 
sustain privacy and so on. We'll talk about that in 50. So basically, we're going to be looking at new ways of getting things done. Yes. And all the plans, and Dr. Acton's looked at all the plans, and I'm pretty much reading almost everything she's reading, it seems, um, that's out there. All these plans, they're really frightening and depressing. What do I mean by that? Think of any type of dystopian um, near-future movie about um, living with a virus. Whether you're talking like or, or living with some sort of um, the Gattaca was not about a virus as I recall, but it was some kind of genetic. I can't remember exactly what Gattaca was about because it wasn't that really good a movie as far as I'm concerned. Are, are you going to get a, tested? Are you going to get a movie reference in here? Yes, I'm going to get several. So people t in Gattaca, people tested. If you wanted a job, you had to be certain gen cert somewhere on genetic scale. If you weren't there. You weren't allowed to get a job and things like that. So that actually created incentives for people to, to, to cheat in a way. And some of that might happen. And it's happened in the past where um, some people, the Brit Brits call them immunity passports, uh, where they're looking at essentially if you check out and you have COVID-19 immunity or something like that, then you can work. If you don't, then you don't get to work. And, of course, that will create an incentive for people to somehow cheat and get this immunity or do what was done in the 19th century. In the 19th century in the U.S., there was a yellow fever outbreak. And if you, it was one of those things, you, you uh, they kind of shut shut the place down. But people who were had gone through it and survived, um, they were able to go about and make their money or whatever. So in the American South, there was a perverse incentive and people went out of their way to deliberately contract yellow fever so that they could then get immunity and go work. We've, we've seen this before. We've seen crazy stuff like this before. And that's what frightens me about some of these proposals people have come up with. They clearly have not read enough, seen enough, seen enough movies. Code 42 is another one with Tim Robbins, where, again, you needed to travel you only got to travel to certain spots because they looked at genetic profiles and things like that and said, oh, well, this place has some out outbreak and, and you, you might go there and end up dead so you, you don't get to go. But they didn't tell you, they didn't purvey all the information to you. And again, people have perverse incentives to, to break the rules on this. And I, I could go down the whole movie chain you get into things like ultraviolet and and so on you know movies with um, around the bam bam vampirism is a disease and things like that where it could get really really draconian with how who gets to work who doesn't get to work or who gets to function in society who doesn't get to function in society and a lot of these plans have these things built in and it's like i don't think so so the american enterprise institute most people look at that plan because it's kind of in between everything and everybody's kind of plans, including Dr. Atkins, the way, way I read it, they kind of are based on the American Enterprise Institute kind of plan. Because the other thing they have is they either have this kind of dystopian, draconian um, police state based around health, or they have like this massive um, public health surveillance testing system where you're tested, 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 all the time, and that's unrealistic. There, there, are folks who are out there saying the only way you can open the economy is you have to be able to test 20 million, 
and one guy says 22 million Americans a day. And that's every two weeks. Because if you do that, then you know who can do what. And there's a whole... But it gets into, what if you don't want to get tested? What if you're tested and, and you turn out to be positive? So it's like, okay, they're going to isolate. How does that work? If you're living in, you know, a house with eight people, you can't, and it's, you know, so many bedroom apartment, you can't isolate. Are we going to have isolation camps like they did in China? Are you going to be thrown in there involuntarily? I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff people really haven't thought through who are putting together some of these plans and just out there. It's well, kind of scary. They but, better they better think about it because it very well could happen. I don't think so. again people are going with the AEI model, and that's kind of what the, uh, and and variations of that, and that's where Dr. Atkin was. Her thing is kind of based on the AEI model, and this other guy out of um, the West Coast, Tom, uh, Thomas um, Poyo, and I'm I'm probably messing up his name, who came up with this whole the hammer and the dance, and the whole bunch of essays. People Google it, read it, read his stuff because. It, it's, it's, it puts it in perspective as to why COVID, he, before it was a problem, he was like, this is why COVID-19 is going to be a problem. Here's what you do about it. And the hammer was, boom, um, he saw containment was going to fail. And he's like, the hammer, boom, just shut it down. That's the hammer. Bam. Whack society. Shut it down. Kill it. So that you get under control. Then you can come out and do the dance. And that's what Dr. Acton, when she talked about the dance, alluding to, she's alluding to the dance and the hammer and the dance. That's what she's alluding to there. And you do the dance. And as she said, you know inherently when you open up, you are going to see more cases. You're going to see more people get sick. And this is why one of the things you need is the contact tracing and the isolation and quarantining of people. You need treatments. You need treatments because you're going to see more people get sick and you don't just want them to get sick and then die. So you need some forms of treatments out there because you're going to be living with this before the vaccine. And Dr. Fauci is a guy that said it'll take about 18 months, but all the experts who are not in the government and they're the folks who create vaccines and like, they kind of come on and say, you know how fast, the, the fastest vaccine development in the world, how long that took? I didn't know. How, like, how long? Four years. So That's the quickest it's taken to develop so a vaccine. So where is Dr. Felty Four years. getting those 18 months from? I think he just did that to make people feel good. <laughs> he said, at, and if you listen to him, he said at least 18 months. He said at least 18 to 24 months. He didn't say definitively it was going to be there. He said at least 18 to 24 months. But the experts who actually do this for a living... They're like, the fastest it's ever happened is four years. And that's four years to get the vaccine, and you know it works, and you know the dose. Then you got to actually produce it. And you're talking, there are like seven and a half billion people on the planet. You got you to gotta make seven and a half billion doses so and get it to people. We're in this range of 18 months to four years that we're going to have to live with COVID-19. Oh, or worse. There are, tons of, there are tons of diseases, there are tons of viruses where there are no vaccines. There's no vaccine for dengue fever. There's no vaccine for HIV. There are treatments for HIV. And I think people are confused and think there's a vaccine because you see these commercials with these people walking around talking about their HIV negative or whatever, HIV zero, whatever the term is. So it's so low that you don't turn out HIV positive. But that's not a vaccine. 
There's no vaccine for the HIV, for, for that virus. You know, I could go on. So we're going to be living with this, and it's potentially, nobody wants to talk about it. But there's no, there's no hard and fast thing that says there will be a vaccine, or it'll be a vaccine in our lifetime that's found. So you need treatments. And, you know, people need to really be working on treatments for this stuff, because we could be living with it for a while. And herd immunity, again, you need 50 to 60% minimum of the population before it, the virus, there's not enough people around to infect so that it becomes a, a pandemic or even an epidemic proportion. So the virus is around the world, and yeah, there are people that will get it every now and again, but most people have gotten immunity. And that assumes there's immunity, because we don't know how long immunity will last. Because in some, some other viruses, you, you have immunity and you're immune for the rest of your life. You know, things like that. You, you have, um, you get, um, um, like, chickenpox. Chickenpox, you're not going to get chickenpox again. Um, and that's that. Uh, you could get shingles because chickenpox, the virus is still in your body. And it could reactivate again. It reactivated shingles, which is, you know, you know really nasty. But chickenpox, yeah, you're, you're not going to catch that again. But so it, it could be lifetime or it could be, you know, a year or two or it could be uh, months. The virologists tell you it's all over the map with how long immunity lasts. And there's no way they can tell you without studying that. So, yes, we got to live with we got to live with this monster. And so we're going through the hammer and the dance. And that's why. A lot of folks are like, we got to reopen the economy. It, we, it's unsustainable to be, you know, hunkered down for, even if 18 months was a guarantee, it's unsustainable. So that's why you see the push, one of the reasons you see the push to reopen the economy, by the, the folks who are, I would say, not driven by money and, and or ideology. So they're like, but, but, don't, but you got to do it in, in a controlled way and know what you're doing, have these other things in place so that when the fires come, like Dr. Atkins says, you can get rid of those fires quickly. Otherwise, if you don't, you got to go all the way back into lockdown. It's like Monopoly. All of a sudden you go, you know, do not pass go, do not collect $200. You start all over again. And that, that would be just tragic. Well, there has been a state that has been in the news that doesn't seem to be doing stuff in a controlled way or what most of us would consider a controlled way uh, to open up. And they are starting things before May 1st. And, well, a lot of us don't seem to be wanting them to do this because they're just doing this kind of crazy. And we're talking about, or I'm talking about, the state of Georgia. Yes. And the governor. Don't say it. <laughs> Just move on. Don't say it. Okay. Governor, governor Kemp, state of Georgia. Governor Brian Kemp, born and raised in Athens, Georgia. Don't say it. <laughs> okay. But um, it's... As, and I think it was Scott Gottlieb, who's like the main author of the, of the American Enterprise Institute plan that everybody else seems to be basing a lot of things on because it's the middle ground between all these draconian things. 
he, I, th I believe he was the one on television when they were talking to him about this who said, it's as if Governor Kemp decided to open up the economy and said, let me find the most difficult businesses for social distancing, and he chose those first. Because you have... And those businesses <laughs> being? Tattoo parlors, um, how massage... Do social, how do you social distance at a tattoo parlor? Or a massage parlor, or hair... No, no, no. How do you social distance at a tattoo parlor? I mean, I want to start there. How does that happen? You got long arms? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're not in a cartoon character with Stretch Armstrong, and he can stretch out his arm so the tattoo person can do what he needs to do. Everything I know about tattoos and tattooing, I, I've gotten from seeing on television these tattoo shows on on um, um, network television, I, or I guess cable television. And, um, yeah, that is an up-close-and-personal, up touchy-feely thing. It doesn't make any sense. Just like the whole massage therapy places. We're, we're, not, massage even, we're not even going to um, go there. Hair salons, beauty salons, Again, we're nail not gonna, salons, we're not gonna go there. barber Fitness shops. centers, gyms? Well, really? you could spread the equipment out, but... Unless you have Before like, COVID, nobody I, wiped down the stuff. You have like five people in the gym or fitness center at a time, and like you said, wipe stuff down. How do you do this? Because nobody wiped down stuff for the most part, you know, before COVID nineteen. I know because I was <laughs> a um, a person that went to a fitness center and eventually came to my senses. Because people weren't wiping things down. That's right. And I was like, nah, I think I, I will stop this and do stuff on my own terms, meaning walk through the neighborhood. Yeah. And then also, it, it, it's, it's just crazy because you look at the numbers for the state of Georgia, and every time I look at it, I look at governor's plans, I'm like... What what is he looking at? Their numbers are going up and up and up. They're nowhere near peaking. Albany, Georgia, or Albany, is on fire with this stuff. It, it's just, it's just nuts. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it makes all. sense if it's an experiment. Well, yeah. Well, all of these things are kind of an experiment. But yeah, that's a big time experiment. Yeah, yeah. State of Georgia is going to be essentially a petri dish. Is this Beaker is tube. this like a Tuskegee experiment from uh, no, back in the day? No, because it's out in the open. The Tuskegee experiment, they they lied about what they were doing, and the people didn't know that they were guinea pigs. You can't you can't be in the state of Georgia right now unless you're like you know Rick from The Walking Dead and dead, and you just woke up from a coma and not know that you're a guinea pig. But, you know, you, my advice to folks down there is don't go. Just because stuff opens up, don't go. If you're a shop owner, I understand your business is hurting and, you know, you're bleeding, bleeding cash, bleeding employees. But you open up and you, you're going you're gonna to kill your business because you somebody's going to end up getting sick. You might, you might kill, kill yourself. You might kill yourself. You might kill one of your clients. But, but a client is going get, gonna to get sick. I mean, we know this from people who irresponsibly do things 
and, and don't respect social distancing and, and the like. You look at the, the election they had in Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. We, we now, it's been a couple weeks, and duh, yes, people have gotten sick, and it's traced back to the election. They were, you know, folks who got sick from going to these polling places. And that was irresponsible, and everybody knew that was going to happen. They should have known. And the legislature there should be ashamed of themselves, playing politics and playing with people's lives on top of it. Well, I hope when a lot of these people, when their terms end, example. and they come back up for, um, for a vote, that folks keep this in mind and vote accordingly. Here's what people are saying about this and that with David and Brenda. I enjoy listening to your discussion of COVID-19 because it was evidence-based. It relied on facts and numbers. And it was so informative, not only about what the virus is doing in this country, but also around the world. I especially appreciated your discussion separating myths from reality. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Can the president order the mayors and governors to open up the economy on May 1st? Or can that be, or should that be, a state decision? So, David, fact or fiction, can the president do that? It's fiction. The president can't order mayors, governors, county commissioners to reopen the economy on May 1st or any day, honestly, because of uh, the Tenth Amendment to the United States Constitution. So this little thing called the Constitution is getting in the way of his being able to do that. Um, yes, but I don't think he ever really wanted to do it anyway. This is my opinion. We can talk about it some other time. Well, I'm not sure he's read the Constitution. Um, maybe not, but the Tenth Amendment essentially says, um, that, that is where, you know, you hear the term states' rights and federalism, etc. That, that's where this comes from. The Tenth Amendment in, in plain English essentially says that if it's, th that the powers of the federal government in the United States of America are derived from the Constitution. And if the Constitution doesn't explicitly say that the federal government has this power and control over whatever, then it rests in the hands of the states. And the president nor Congress have small p police powers, meaning it's, it's really a police power that says, gee, your nail salon is shut down until further notice, or everybody needs to shelter in place, and so on. Those are powers that are reserved to, for state and local governments. And so the president could say what he wants, suggests, etc., but doesn't have the power to open, just like the president didn't close the economy. That was done by mayors and governors, and it would take mayors and governors to reopen it. So that's, to me, that's a really straightforward myth. I don't know if we want to really expand on that any more than that. No, I, I think that pretty much covers it. He can't do it. Um, and he kind of walked back, or, yeah, walked back his 
original request, well, it wasn't well, a request, request. It was a, it was a mandate, um, where he said, folks will shut down on X date, or not shut down, but reopen on X date. And then folks came out and said, you can't do this. And then he, he came back a little bit later and said, all right, I... What did he say? Well, that's the thing. He This is why this myth's still around. Because he said, okay, I've authorized the governors yeah. to, to do it. Yeah, like, he, he delegated he, this he, authority. He, he can't it's do basically, that. He, he said authorized, but he really meant I delegate this authority to the governors. But again, but he, just, he, he has can't no authority do that. to delegate. I know, exactly. So, <laughs> it's a delegation of authority. One of the things that I hope our listeners are getting from our conversation today is you have to be very careful about what people are saying and you have to listen to their words because what they say the words they use will tell you a whole lot but but this has always been true this goes back to what um bill clinton said it depends on what the definition of is is oh please i remember when he said that <laughs> it was like no, he just didn't go there. It's let's like, let's not get like, into I, that. It depends on what the definition is. Is <laughs> that's but that's the world we live in. So I mean, it's nothing really new. Pay attention. Some people are just more sophisticated. Pay about attention it. <laughs> to what people are saying, and if you don't think you understand, ask questions and or do your research. Yeah, do your research, and also, you know, believe in facts. It was Daniel um, Patrick Moynihan, who was a, um, a senator in the state of New York, a uh, very famous senator and behind a lot of different legislation and studies and, and things like that. And he famous for a lot of things. But one of the things he's famous for is, and um, this may not be the exact quote, but uh, he said, every, every person is entitled to their opinion. They're just not entitled to their own facts. I mean, facts are facts, <laughs> essentially. So stick to the facts, know the facts, know science, know what's real, and you'll be fine. Don't, when, when people start just getting into you know, happy talk and BS, that's when your your you know red 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 flag meter BS meter and everything else should go off. Comments? Send your feedback to this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Looks like our COVID nineteen discussion for today has come to an end. Yes, it is time to upload episode 47 to the cloud. Go ahead and upload. And while you're uploading, when we talked earlier, these were the movies you mentioned that people should um, watch. That was Code 42, Gattaca, and what was the third? Uh, was Ultraviolet something? Well, I, I you... Ultraviolet, that was just an example uh, of things because they they had a lot of gates and filters and whatever. Gattaca, Code Forty Two is um, one folks should should um, look at. Uh, another one would be I, I would say 
I would choose Doomsday over Ultraviolet. With, um, um... Oh, I can't think of the woman's name. I could see her face. The last thing she did was The Last Ship. Um, Rona... Rona Mitra. Yeah. Um, Rona Mitra. And um, Doomsday. Um, UK-based film. Basically, her character, was, in my opinion, was based on the major in um, the classic Japanese anime series Ghost in the Shell, which, of course, they did a live-action version of, which was very, very bad. Very bad. Just, but Doomsday. Watch Doomsday. Because there's a plague in that one, and some of the things they, they do, that's where it gets really, really dystopian. Okay. Now and, it's, David, and it's entertaining. David's recommending all the, the movies for you to take a look at. All right. I'm going to recommend a co comedy, a sitcom that came on back in the late 80s, and the title is called A Different World. We find ourselves now living in a different world, so why not watch a comedy called A Different World? <laughs> it's not, not quite the same. But... It's not the same, but it's going to give you some comedic relief. Eh, yes. And it will help you to kind of get away from all the stuff that's going on that may be causing you to stress out. So, why not laugh a little bit? Get the stress level down. Watch A Different World. Now, do you recommend a specific season of A Different World? Because no, just right. start out with the first season. Right. I think there are eight seasons. you got time on your hands. Because the first season, you had well, obviously it was the vehicle for, for Lisa Bonet coming out of Cosby. The, the Cosby um Yeah, okay. Show. Now, this does have a, a Bill Cosby connection, so get over it, folks. He's in, he's in prison. Don't trying think, to get out of COVID. I don't think he's going to be getting out. Um, I think they denied his request. The fact that he is now. in prison as a sex offender, and I don't think sex offenders no. are able to get out because no. of COVID. Yeah. So I think he's going to be in there a while. Like I said, I think, I think it's been formally denied now, but yeah. Um, but in the meantime, watch A Different World and um, give yourself some comedic relief. But what I was going with that is season one is, is somewhat different from the subsequent seasons. Because you had Lisa it, Bonet. It, it is. It's you had different. Mar Marissa Torme, Oscar winner Marissa Torme. Um, and some other folks. And then season two, they kind of changed things up. There's no Lisa Bonet. Um, she was gone by season two. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't I'm, I'm just on season one, so I don't know what has or happened. Or she might have faded in, in, in part of season two. I'll, I will let you and our listeners know when I get to the point when Lisa Bonet is no longer in a different world. Well. But... We find ourselves living in a different world, so watch the comedy. Well, it is a different world from where you come from. Exactly. And on that note, <laughs> I think we should um, say all the best. Stay woke. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe 
to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.